If you got your Bibles, turn there. Now, I, I have a question. Why did you guys laugh so hard when uh, Tara mentioned uh, the fishing trip that was going to be on the fundraiser? You know, you, some of you are going to have to be very aggressive at bidding for this because Jeff really wants to go on a fishing trip with me. And so he's going to be bidding out there. And so just know it's going to cost you something to uh, participate in this trip. But, uh, no, it'll be a lot of fun, whoever, whoever does that. Well, uh, I heard a story one time about a gal. She was 84 years old, and she just got married for the fourth time. And uh, those that she, she married were had very interesting backgrounds. One had been a banker, and another had been a, um, uh, uh, a ringleader in a, in a circus, traveling circus. Another had been a preacher, and then she just had under, uh, married a, um, an undertaker, a funeral home director. And someone asked her, why have you married uh, guys with such diverse backgrounds? And she said, well, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. And uh, so this morning, why do I share that joke? Well, we're going to be looking at uh, senior adults in particular for a little bit. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, we're going to verse, start with verse um, 21, 21. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. 
And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. There's three stories that are being told here. Two are are subtle that I want to touch on for a moment, and then we will get to the main story. But the first study uh, story is kind of concerning Theophilus. You know, Jesus or Luke is making a big deal about um, these older, devout Jews who are embracing this Jesus. Um, And he's making a big deal about Mary and Joseph and their devout faith as Jews. And so he's reassuring Theophilus. Now, remember, Theophilus is probably a Roman government official. Uh, he He has lots of responsibilities, probably concerned about what's happening in the empire, because wherever there's a synagogue and the church, the Christians are coming to the synagogue or coming into a new community. There's a lot of uprisings. Uh, Christians are being beaten. And uh, so there's just a lot of calamity that's occurring. Now, Theophilus is a believer, but he's wanting to get some background on on Jesus. You know, what is his upbringing? He's come on the scene in a flash. I mean, Christianity is turning the known world upside down at this moment. And Luke is reassuring uh, Theophilus of Jesus's beginning. He comes. um, We see that devout Jewish people, people who are familiar with the Old Testament, older saints, are very familiar with Jesus, and they're embracing uh, who Jesus is. He comes, Jesus comes from the promises based in the Old Testament. Um, We see that uh, Jesus is about to do uh, something new. I think I'm getting ahead of myself right now. But, um, But those who are affirming who Jesus is, they're devout Jews. They know the Bible. They know the Old Testament. We see Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph are careful to follow the law. They baptize or they they, uh, circumcise Jesus on the eighth day, according to the law. Uh, After Mary's days of purification on the 40th day, they bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated and to offer a sacrifice, according to the Old Testament law of Leviticus. Um, verse 41 of uh, chapter 2, they, they, every year they're bringing Jesus to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the Passover. Well, there's a strong me- message for Christian parents. Mom and dads, you need to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. Even though Mary and Joseph was raising the Son of God, they knew the importance of the law for Jesus to have a respect for the law, to obey the law. And so here we see in this, uh, in Luke chapters 1 and 2, that um, 
Jesus doesn't grow up in a hotbed of sectarianism. Uh, he's not, he doesn't come from anti-established parents, establishment parents. These are devout Jews. And uh, he's raised to obey the law. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was born under the law. He came to live the life that we could never live. We could never, we could never obey the Ten Commandments. And the, the Ten Commandments were there merely to point out the fact that we are center, sinners. The Ten Commandments couldn't take away our sins, but Jesus lived the life that we couldn't, and he obeyed the law. He obeyed the commandments. Look at Matthew chapter 5. It's in your handout this morning. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Luke is reassuring Theophilus. Uh, Jesus was a keeper of the law. Those who are most devout in their faith, old timers, fully embraced who Jesus was. Not only we see that story, but we also see God using senior adults. Senior adults. Senior adults are important. Uh, Luke points out in chapter 1 that uh, he points out the age or the fact that um, Elizabeth and Zechariah were far beyond ch- childbearing years, but God used them, and, and they affirmed who Jesus was. And now we come to this passage of Scripture, and there's more senior adults. Simeon, we don't know his age, but uh, uh, it implies, the text implies that he's, he's near the age of death. And then we see Anna. She is 84 years old. And, uh, and God is using each, each of these to affirm uh, Jesus. There, there is a new era about to begin. The era, the era of uh, promise is about to pass away, and God is ushering in the, the era of fulfillment. And these people aren't panicked by that. They know that God is about to use a new generation. And these senior adults are affirming them. There's no conflict conflict here. They are supporting them. There's a strong message for senior adults. And I'm soon to be one of those senior adults. About ready to celebrate my 52nd birthday. In three more years, I get the discount at Denny's. But I hope that as I continue to go grow older and God begins to raise up a new generation to take the torch, that I'm going to die to my desires. And I'm going to be there and encourage the generation that's coming behind me. 
And they may do things a little bit differently than the way I perceive church to be. But you know what? God's going to use those young people. God is using these young people. And we've got to always be at, at a point, church, that we're not afraid to reinvent ourselves so that the next generation can be the communicator to that culture. This is what we see happening in this passage of Scripture. And, and you know, God wants to do new things. When Jesus comes on the scene and, and his ministry is about to be, begin, or when it comes towards the end of his ministry, well, Jesus is talking about the temple. People are really impressed with the temple. This is the place where Mary and Joseph brought, brought, brought Jesus. Jesus says near the end of his ministry, tear down this temple, and three days later I will raise it up again. Now, he was talking about the physical temple, that it's going to be destroyed, but he's also talking about his body. There's going to be a day and age church where this temple is going to be destroyed. And you're not going to have to come to this place ever again. Why? Because you're the temple of God. The Holy Spirit is inside you. And so instead of coming to Jerusalem, coming to a place to celebrate, you know what? The church, the people of God are to disperse. And we're to be incarnational. We are to be missional. And we are to be in the community being the body of Christ. That's what God wants us to be doing. And so here is another story. Another aspect is is um, not only are there devout Jews who embrace Jesus, but God is using senior adults to pass the faith, to resource, to encourage the next generation. May we be that kind of church and not just be thinking of ourselves, but thinking of others. And that's what we see in Simeon and uh, Anna. They know that this Jesus, he's not coming, he's not here just for the Jews. Simeon's song is, he's a light for the Gentiles. He's for everybody, not just them. So those are two subtle stories, but let's get into the main point of the story. The main point is this, that Jesus is the consolation, the paraclesis of Israel. Consolation means comfort. Go back to um, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. How did Simeon Mary and Joseph didn't even say a word. They just had Jesus in their arms. How did Simeon recognize 
that this was the Messiah. It was the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon him. God had made a promise through the angel that before Simeon died, he would see the Lord's Christ. The reason why Simeon was able to recognize Jesus was a combination of three things. A combination of the Spirit, the Word of God, and God's promises. God had promised Simeon, you will see. Simeon did not come to this conclusion by reason or science. It was the Spirit of God. And my friend, if you want to see Jesus, if you want to know who Jesus is, you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. Spirit was on Simeon. Simeon knew that the key to peace was Jesus. Think about this. Since the angel had made the promise to Simeon, Simeon had spent the rest of his life looking for the consolation of Israel. Imagine every every baby that's brought to the temple by parents to be dedicated. Simeon's peeking. He's looking at each one. And he's asking them himself the question. He's asking God, God, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? He's expecting. And we see that Simeon knows that the key to peace, the key to comfort, the consolation of Israel is Jesus. Is that the goal of your life? Is that what you are pursuing most? Because, my friend, if it's anything other than Jesus, if it's career, if it's children, if it's possessions, guess what? All those things have dead ends. All those things lead to disappointment. Some of those things are really important, okay? I'm not... I'm not saying that we can't pursue it, but that can't be the priority of our life. Not even fishing can be the priority of your life. It's got to be Jesus. And Simeon sees Jesus. And Simeon knows he has seen the consolation of Israel. And he tells God, now I can go. Now I can be dismissed. Because I... I have met the goal of what life is all about. That's the key to peace. Now, how did Simeon know that Jesus was the consolation of Israel? Because Simeon knew the Old Testament. If you'll go back, well, if you have a Bible, if you have a cross-reference section in your Bible, Uh, that's uh, next to Luke chapter 2, you'll find several verses that go back to the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. In chapters 40 through 53, Simeon's song is rich with Isaiah's prophetic, uh, prophetic language. 
Simeon knew the Old Testament. Simeon knew what Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2 says. It's in your handout this this morning. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. Simeon is looking for comfort. That's what consolation means, comfort. Simeon is looking for the consolation of Israel. That's peace. Anna, she's looking for redemption. She's looking for the guilt, the restoration to take place. And they both find it in the person of Jesus. Do you need comfort this morning? Do you need peace? Isaiah says it's found through the pardon of sin. In order for you to be comforted, my friend, you've got to come to the cross. It's only in understanding that Jesus died for your sin can you find that comfort? Can you find that redemption? They both knew it because they knew the Old Testament. Idols, whatever you're pursuing today, thinking that this is the answer to your life, and you're worshiping that, it's not going to deliver. I promise you, it's not going to deliver. Oh, it may bring happiness and pleasure and success for a period of time. But in the end, will be disappointment and destruction. It's only found in Jesus. Simeon and Anna know this. And they know that this Jesus isn't just for them or the Jews. He's for all. Verse 32. He's a light unto the Gentiles. So if you don't have a church background this morning, and you've got a story that, that you're ashamed to share with somebody else, and you don't feel like you're, qualified for comfort for restoration you're exactly who Jesus came for and the invitation is for you this is why Jesus came and it comes you'll find it through the pardon of sin Simeon and Anna know who Jesus is in your handout this morning. You can go back and read those servant songs. There's four servant songs that Isaiah prophesies about the Messiah. That would be great reading material for you this week. Simeon knows what's going to happen to this little baby. You know what? The world was caught off guard 
when Jesus went to the cross. Not even, not even his disciples were expecting this. They all abandoned him. Now, Simeon and Anna, they're dead by this time. But had they lived to see that event, they wouldn't have been caught off guard. They knew exactly what was going to happen to this Christ child. And while Simeon has Jesus in his arms and he sung that song, the Bible says that Mary and Joseph are marveling at what's been said. And then Simeon turns to that little girl, Mary, just a junior high girl, brand new mom, and says that in this little boy's life is going to be the rise and fall of many people. Those who are for him, God will raise up. But those who are against him, those who are opposed to him, you're going to watch things happen to your child that are going to pierce your soul. It's going to break your heart. I tried to um, get a, a music video for the service this morning and I thought, well, maybe it's too graphic. And so I've posted it on my Facebook page. And I've, for those of you who do version, it's on the version outline song, Mary, Did You Know? And uh, it's the music video is in conjunction with the passion of Christ. And you remember that scene um, where Jesus is just a little boy and he's running up a alleyway and he trips and falls and his mom sees and runs to him, picks him up, consoles him. And then she sees Jesus walking down the street with the cross. And she sees Jesus fall down the street and she has a flashback to him as a little boy and she runs to him and she wants to control, console him. She wants to make it all better. She can't because she knows that her son is now her redeemer, is now her savior who's going to die for her sin. And all she can do is watch. And her soul is pierced. She watches people who are opposed to him slaughter him. A.W. Tozer has shared a quote that says this, whom God will use greatly, he will wound deeply. Think about Mary. She is the highly favored one. She is the one who said in her song in Luke chapter one, generations that go before me will call me blessed. And Simeon looks at her in the eye and says, your soul will be pierced. Are you being wounded deeply? Don't turn your back on God. 
trust God for what he's wanting to accomplish in your life. Those who he uses greatly, he wounds deeply. As I was preparing this message this, this week, I came across this blog about an individual who's going through cancer. Listen to his words as God has been wounding him. I am reaching a really strange place, it seems to me, where I'm becoming okay with having cancer. It's not a fight I'll stop, mind you. I prayed and asked fervently for healing in the past five years, and honestly, I wonder if I should have been praying for complete trust in God instead. It's like getting put on a roller coaster. You will get jerked around, go up, go down, maybe even do a barrel roll, but... When you're praying for it to be over, it's not like the ride is just going to stop and let you off. There is a course. You have to have faith that the designer of the ride went to school, got an engineering degree, did all the right math, etc., etc., and that the ride, despite being scary as all get out, is going to bring you to the end in one piece. This analogy isn't perfect, so don't take it too far. The point here is that I'm on a course that God has set me on. Do I like it? Would I choose it again? Would I give it to anyone else? Does it matter what I think? I told God many times, in many places, send me. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll obey you. This is God saying, okay, here's a lesson in trust. I've been torn recently by requests from people recently who have asked me to pray for quick healing for children, parents, or themselves. Yes, I will pray for you, but I don't know if you're a Christian, parentheses, that I can really pray for quick healing when I have seen God use poor health so much in my life and the lives of others. I want you to learn more about God. And frankly, a quick and unmemorable fix to your problem isn't going to help you learn about God as much as you wish it would. I won't actively pray that God would wound you. But if you really want to get to know God better, really and honestly, it's not going to happen without taking you out of your comfort zone. And more than likely, it will come with pain whom God will use greatly he will wound deeply Paul prayed that he might know the fellowship of Christ's suffering through the difficulty Paul went through Luke chapter 19 Jesus is going, coming into Jerusalem. There's that triumphal entry. He's riding a colt. People are shouting Hosanna, which means save now. They are excited that their king has come into Jerusalem and he is going to deliver them. Hosanna, save us. Save us from those bad boys, Jesus. Jesus. 
Save us from the Roman Empire. Deliver us. May they serve us rather than we serving you. You would think that it was an Olympic moment in Jesus' life. And as everybody's shouting Hosanna that Jesus had this big old heart symbol and just welcome the accolades. But no, we see in Luke chapter 19, the very next day, Jesus is looking over Jerusalem. He says this, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. What's your prayer? You cry out, Hosanna, saying, Jesus, save me from the creditors. Hosanna, save me from a, a boss who just doesn't get us, get, get me. Hosanna, save me in my marriage relationship. Hosanna, deliver me from the short-term pain that I'm going through. What's going to be your peace? Your peace is in knowing that Jesus came to pardon you from your sin. Jerusalem didn't get it. It starts at the cross. And it stays at the cross. You keep trusting him. You keep doing the right thing. And like Mary, who is watching her son be crucified, she stays faithful. She witnesses the resurrection. See, she watches her son ascend into heaven 40 days later. He's no, long, she, he's no longer just her son. He's her redeemer. And instead of getting mad at God, she releases her son into the hands of God. And we see Mary and Jesus' family, brothers and sisters, worshiping, being faithful in Acts chapter 1 in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. That's where God wants you. He's wounding you deeply. He loves you. He has a plan. Trust Him. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would make yourself very real to people who are calling out, rescue me. God, may they yield themselves to the way, Jesus, you want to rescue them. Only you know the plan for each person's life here in this room. Father, help them 
to stay faithful. Help them to stay trusting you. Help them to be able to say, to sing this song. It is well with my soul. Because you are sovereign. Use this time of invitation. God, if people need to surrender to you, they understand that, God, that you died to pardon them, forgive them of their sin, that they would cross that threshold of faith. And that, God, that you would give them the strength to go through whatever they're facing. In Jesus' name.